Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for finding Whitehall Sources. Before we get stuck into the politics for you, a quick message from The Resident. These hotels, like their choice in podcasts, are exceptional. Whether you're travelling for business or leisure, at The Resident, you're offered the best rooms, prices and advice for your needs as well. We are so thrilled to be brought to you in association with The Resident, who have proudly backed us since day one. When we're booking a stay in London or Liverpool, it's the resident we head to, and it's the resident you should head to. To find out more, click residenthotels.com. Well, I know it's not usual for a Prime Minister to come back in this way, but I believe in public service. The Prime Minister asked me to do this job, and it's a time where we have some daunting challenges as a country. The conflict in the Middle East, the war in Ukraine, and of course, I hope that six years as Prime Minister, 11 years leading the Conservative Party gives me some useful experience and contacts and relationships and knowledge that I can help the Prime Minister to make sure we build our alliances, we build partnerships with our friends, we deter our enemies and we keep our country strong. That's why I'm doing the job and I'm delighted to accept. Hello and welcome to Whitehall Sources. We're recording on Monday the 13th of November because there's an emergency afoot. It is a big day, it is reshuffle day, it is Rishi reshuffle reset day. And goodness me, David Cameron's back. But before we get to him, more importantly, hello, Kirsty Buchanan, former special advisor to Theresa May. How are you? Uh, I am fine. I've spent most of the day having half an eye on number 10, like, <laughs> like all the rest good of us. Political, like all good political nerds <laughs> should do. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun. As, as we record this at, what, nearly six o'clock, my phone battery's at 5%, such has been the ferocity of my uh, refreshing Twitter, uh, refreshing my emails. For a while, I was just sat watching the telly, watching Sky News. It's a long time since we've done this. It's a long time since we've had an emergency podcast for a reshuffle as well. Uh, lots of drama to report. Um, 
let's have a little sort of look then through the headline. So yes, David Cameron is back, I think is absolutely the headline, which let's not forget has blown the sacking of Suella Braverman off the top story because a former prime minister is back in government. Hilarious though, I saw earlier, Kirsty, this is only his second government job. <laughs> his other one was prime minister and now he is uh, foreign secretary. So Suella Braverman sacked as home secretary. James Cleverly moved to become home secretary. David Cameron, now Lord Cameron, becomes foreign secretary. Uh, what are you making of all of this? Um, well, a couple of uh, personal thoughts, first of all. Um, one, uh, one of the reasons that I love politics as much as I do, even though I have worked in it and followed it since, you know, uh, 1808, um, uh, it still has the capacity to surprise, right? And uh, you will have seen that today with the appointment of David Cameron. It's very rare to be able to pull off a a secret um, uh, in number 10, uh, yeah. but they've, they've managed to achieve that. Um, and, you know, you could hear the commentators after, you know, Suella had been confirmed as being sacked and the car pulls into Downing Street and, the, and all the broadcasters are opposite number 10 and they're waiting for the comings and goings because what happens in a reshuffle is uh, if you're going to get promoted, you walk through the door at number 10 uh, and if you're going to get sacked, you go and see the Prime Minister in his uh, Commons office so you don't have to do the walk of shame. And so the car pulls in uh, number 10 and all the broadcasts are, oh, his protection officer. And then David Cameron gets out of him. David Cameron is <laughs> completely is sort of, here? you know, marmalade dropping moment and you can hear this guy going if 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 what we're seeing uh, seems to be as we're seeing it you know it appears that david cameron will be the foreign secretary and there was just and that so sort just of, there was that common sense gonna... bit wasn't there where it was like there is no other reason that david cameron would appear on downing street unless he's about to be put in the actual cabinet he wouldn't just stumble up downing street for a coffee on reshuffle day no, indeed. Uh, the world's greatest wind-up, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, so why appoint David Cameron? Um, uh, I think a number of things here is useful. If we are looking at uh, the kind of overall and particularly the big-ticket items, which is James Cleverly moving from the Foreign Office and the role of Foreign Secretary to the role of Home Secretary, big, big job for him, um, and also the appointment of David Cameron. They're both centrists, um, and it, it feels to me, and I, you know, uh, this isn't, you know, because I've had a chance to chat to anyone at number ten because they're quite busy at the moment having a reshuffle. <laughs> um, but it seems to me that, uh, you know, it almost feels like a lot of private polling um, has suggested that actually. Their attempt to continue to shore up red wall seats is increasingly looking like it's at the expense of their blue wall seats. Mm. Um, so, if I was going to be a little bit kind of uh, Cassandra-ish about this, because whilst all the centrists are going whoop whoop, this is great news, um, it suggests to me that they, you know, their entrenchment um, and their core strategy vote is, is, is even more kind of backfooted than we thought it would be. Um, I mean, you know, we at Stonehaven were 
consultancy, global consultancy, we do a lot of polling. The last lot we did suggested that, you know, uh, people like Jeremy Hunt, who's got a Surrey seat, could lose his seat. Mm. You know, and so if you're looking at, you know, seat losses in real traditional Tory shires, uh, you're in a you're in a great deal more uh, electoral trouble than I think anyone has uh, has hitherto thought. So it feels a little bit like, um, you know, you're shoring up uh, blue wall seats is what it feels like. And there's a lot of, you know, the mood music of this is you've replaced um, uh, Suella Braverman, who was, uh, you know, uh, a self-styled, I have to say, probably darling of the conservative right, uh, with James Cleverley, who is a uh, is a much more sort of centrist politician, and will be in there um, in part uh, to restore trust with the police that um, uh, the previous Home Secretary so spectacularly managed to dismantle uh, the weekend before Armistice Day, when she, she suggested that they were biased in their operational mm. policing. Um, uh, which made their job over the weekend, which, as we all saw, you know, uh, was going to be a difficult one, uh, arguably much worse. Um, the other thing uh, about those two kind of big ticket uh, item jobs that I just wanted to flag at this stage is, as we know, the decision from the Supreme Court is due on Wednesday yeah. on the Rwanda policy and whether we can um, uh, fly out. Um, uh, those seeking asylum um, uh, to Rwanda. Um, and it's supposed to act as a big deterrent. Now, what this indicates to me is that the government think that they've got a good chance of winning that, you know, winning that ruling on Wednesday. It would be uh, peculiar, not impossible, but peculiar to allow, you know, uh, Suella Braverman to stay in post um, and bag a big win, if you like, from a policy point of view and from the Tory rights point of view, uh, and then say, right, you're fired. Um, uh, and similarly, it would be difficult to give someone a home, you know, put someone into the brief and then, you know, two or three days later, one of its flagship policies mm. uh, is torpedoed uh, by Britain's highest court. Um, so I think that probably indicates that they've got, they they believe they've got a good chance of, of that uh, ruling from the Supreme Court going their way, so that's my kind of initial thoughts on the other on, and the, and the other issue about Cameron um, is you know he's an experienced politician, he's a grown up. Um, it, all the time that he was Prime Minister, uh, Netanyahu was uh, Prime Minister in Israel, so one of the most pressing foreign policy issues at the moment, obviously, is. Uh, the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas yeah. uh, in the Gaza Strip and uh, his ability to be able to work uh, and to, you know, and not to have to create a new relationship with Netanyahu will be very, very useful. And he's got lots of existing network relationships with a lot of, uh, a lot of leaders. Um, so, you know, a lot's made a lot of snark about, you know, his foreign policy failures around, um, uh, you know, gambling and losing on Brexit, if you like, and uh, make exactly a, a great fist of his intervention in Libya and what have you. But, but actually, the point is, is that a, a very difficult and turbulent time globally, uh, he can hit the ground running, and he has existing relationships with a lot of these uh, leaders. 
Let us then have a listen to David Cameron, Lord Cameron, uh, who has spoken for the first time um, since being appointed as Foreign Secretary. And of course, he has been speaking to the BBC's political editor, Chris Mason, whom we heart. We heart. (laughs) Here you go. Let's explore what you've been doing since you were Prime Minister. The Treasury Select Committee accused you of a significant lack of judgment over your lobbying of ministers on behalf of the finance company Greensill. Why should voters trust your judgment now? Well, the most important thing I've done since since leaving office was to act as president of Alzheimer's Research and to raise millions of pounds and help our scientists to get closer to a diagnosis and a cure for something that affects almost a million people in our country. Um, But today I resign from all of those things, from all of the businesses I've been helping and all the other things I've been doing, including being a professor at NYU, that all stops. I now have one job as Foreign Secretary of the United Kingdom, and I'm very proud to work with our Prime Minister to try and make sure our country can be as secure and as prosperous as possible. I noticed you ducked my question on Greensill there. A specific answer to that question, the Treasury Select Committee running a significant lack of judgment. Well, I think all those things were dealt with by the Treasury Select Committee, by other inquiries at the time. And as far as I'm concerned, that is all dealt with and in the past. And I now have one job as Britain's Foreign Secretary, as part of Rishi Sunak's team, to try and make sure this country can be as secure and as prosperous in a difficult and dangerous world. That's, that's Lord Cameron, David Cameron. Just a bit of context then on Greensill. Two years ago, the BBC's Panorama programme revealed internal documents suggesting that David Cameron made about £8.2 million flying around the world to promote Greensill. It then collapsed in March 2021. Criminal inquiries into alleged fraud are ongoing in Germany and Switzerland. And as you heard, uh, the Commons Treasury Select Committee found there was a significant lack of judgment over David Cameron's activities. Um, Kirsty, Chris went for him a couple of times on it because his, his media training certainly kicked in, didn't it? He pivoted well and truly off the Greensill issue to, here's some wholesome things I've been up to in the last few years. <laughs> Never mind the 8.2 million over there. Look at the million that I raised, helped raise for Alzheimer's Society mm. uh, in a classic bit of image rehabilitation. Um, yeah, yeah, look, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, you know, one of the one of the issues, I think, when you're at, where are we, 13 years of a Conservative government, mm. um, you know, is by and large you're going to run out of, you know, you're, you're going to drain your talent pool dry. Um, and some of this reshuffle shows, you know, uh, I mean, it's possible to overstate this a better thing, but, you know, if you're having to go through your back catalogue of ministers, if you like, um, it, it, it shows one of the effects uh, of being in government for just a really, really long time. Mm. Uh, and the trouble with, you know, people that have been ministers and have been out of government is, you know, they come with baggage, right? Um, and not all of it is, uh, you know, baggage you want to board your train with. Now, um, you know, we've said this before, you know, the, the Prime Minister set himself up for a fall uh, on the steps of Number 10 when he promised to run a government of integrity, transparency and accountability. So every time one of these sorts of issues come up, people will go, ah, but, you know, you promised, you know, uh, to run a government of, of integrity. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going, if you're at this sort of end of the government, you're going to have a lot of people with a lot of baggage, and and that is some of it. Um, 
but the pluses of having someone of experience uh, who has a good global network, um, a good understanding, good relationships with leaders at an extremely turbulent time, uh, and someone who isn't going to spend a lot of their time jostling and grandstanding for your job because they've already been there and bought the T-shirt, exactly, yeah. infinitely outweigh some of the drawbacks. Yeah, and it did do a lot to get rid of the Suella Braverman headline. I think that that point that you make there that, you know, he doesn't want to be Prime Minister again is interesting too, though. Go on, sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, just, uh, I mean, as a sort of added delight, I mean, you you know that, you know, I wanted Suella Braverman to be sacked mm-hmm. even before she wrote that op-ed. So, yeah. um you know, and I and she must be sort of spitting chips a day for a woman who spends a lot of her time courting the headlines. Uh, to have her great martyr moment overshadowed uh, by David Cameron must be really galling. I looked on um, uh, X trending at lunchtime <laughs> uh, and went right from like one down to wherever it gets to thirty. Mm. She was nowhere to be seen, but. Mm. Some of those historical references that have been made about, you know, uh, bringing back former prime ministers to, you know, t- to serve in cabinet as foreign secretary, etc., were being made to the point that, you know, Alex Douglas Home was uh, Hume was Hume, was yeah. trending and Hume was trending, sorry, and, and Lord Carrington and Suella was nowhere to be seen. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let me tell you about the resident hotel where I just stayed. That's right, I have been to the resident in Liverpool for a lovely, lovely stay. I have to be honest, it was wonderful. And I'm not just saying that, I promise you it was great. The warmest of welcome from the lovely reception team, including a lovely welcome card signed by Megan and the resident team. We were offered a map, we were offered guidance on where to go for food and for drinks. The location was great. We had several activities in Liverpool. We had a friend's birthday dinner. Then we were bowling, we were doing all of that stuff, and all of it was within a 10-minute walk of where the hotel was, which was perfect. Not only that, we had guidance on the best local restaurants and bars where we could also get discounts as a result of staying at the resident. The little kitchen in the hotel room was very, very helpful for coffee drinkers. Unbelievably, I'm not one. There's a little coffee machine right there as well. Do you know what was lovely as well? City centre location... Double-double glazing. There was the outdoor window, then an indoor window. 
No noise. I slept like an actual log. Beautiful room, very spacious, well-equipped, lovely hotel, lovely staff, lovely location. Take this as a personal endorsement. I've been there, done that, and you should do the same. Stay at the resident. Right, I've got a couple of takes to put to you, okay, just to sort of do the, do this sort of analysis on this. First of all, though, as of, so it's two minutes past six at the time of our recording right now. Obviously, you're listening to this later. But two minutes ago at six o'clock, Andrea Jenkins, uh, MP, who I've just clicked on, actually, follows me on Twitter. That's unexpected. Anyway, Conservative MP has tweeted, Enough is enough. I have submitted my vote of no confidence letter to the chairman of the 1922 it is time for Rishi Sunak to go and replace him with a real, in inverted commas, Conservative Party leader. In her letter, which she's posted a picture of, enough is enough, says Andrea Jenkins. Rishi's Machiavellian involvement in getting rid of our democratically elected leader, Boris Johnson, who bravely fought for Brexit when Parliament was in deadlock. Uh, yes, Boris, the man who won the Conservatives, that bit's about Boris. The King's speech, we should have had a barnstorming speech that would have strongly set out our stall for the general election that defines our true Conservative values to be 20 points plus behind in the polls, by-election defeat after defeat. How long are MPs going to sit on their hands and let he and his out-of-touch advisers damage our party irrevocably? Uh, further, it goes, I do this to stand up and fight for true conservatism. That's the gist of what Andrea Jenkins is saying. Uh, what do you make of that? Um, well, the first thing I'd make from that is uh, that I always thought it was irrevocably. So, oh, I may have mispronounced. Uh, let's have it. a standoff and see whether whether <laughs> whose pronunciation is right. I don't know. Is the honest answer to that whether it's irrevocably or uh, yeah. what you said? Um, but potato, potato aside, um, what do I make of that? Well, look, you know, this was designed uh, to uh, stamp his authority over the insurgent right of the party. Mm. Um, I mean, the increasing criticism. Uh, from the bulk of the parliamentary party, and look, it's easy to forget this, right? You know, the the, the insurgent right rump of the Conservative Parliamentary Party is so noisy mm. and gets so much media airtime. It's easy to forget that they are the rump and not the whole. Mm. Actually, roughly speaking, probably about two hundred MPs in the Conservative Parliamentary Party are much more in that kind of one nation uh, centrist camp, which is where this reshuffle looks like it's it's fashioning itself. So there was always going to be a kickback um, and the obligatory sigh, uh, letters of no confidence going in. Whether enough go in uh, to tip a vote is uh, another matter. And if there was a vote of no confidence, uh, Rishi Sunak would win it. Um so all you end up doing ultimately is damaging the Conservative Party even more than the uh, insurgent rump of the right of the party mm. uh, has managed to do hitherto. So uh, not terribly surprised about that. Uh, probably won't be the last. Um, but, you know, it was always factored in. I note that um, one of the people that he's brought in is Esther McVeigh yeah. uh, to try and slightly appease the... Uh, Conservative right of the party. I mean, I, you know, it's a bit small beer, and I'm not entirely sure, you know, it's going to do the job. 
but she's there as the woke watcher, you know, in chief now around the cabinet table. Imagine having a woke um, watcher at the cabinet table. Um, just to add to that, Kirsty, <laughs> just before you go on on Esther McVeigh, she's going to be minister without portfolio within the cabinet office. This is from Robert Peston at ITV. She'll attend cabinet. There won't be a full cabinet member. Her role will be to represent Rishi Sunak's government on TV and radio as much as possible and to speak what he sees as common sense, in inverted commas, on gender issues, culture issues, British colonial history issues that she is already so vocal about, uh, as a so-called blue-collar Tory. The Tory populist right is being asked to trade in Braverman for McVeigh, is what Peston says. Doesn't she also do a show on GB Spews, excuse me, GB News, um, at the moment? I wonder if she'll be able yeah, she's, to do she's that. Yeah, she's going to have to resign from, from that. Uh, just as Cameron is going to have to resign from the Alzheimer's Society. Uh, no, she will have one job, and that will be to uh, watch out for woke. Um, I mean, look, there's a couple of things I find rather curious about this. You know, the, I can understand why he appointed Suella Braverman in the first place, right? You know, he was uh, new in the job. It was parliamentary party management, pure and simple. Um, uh, he needed a kind of big... Uh, hitter on the on the Tory right in a in a prominent job. Now uh, either he feels confident enough, or frankly has nothing left to lose, that he might as well take on this rump, and this rump is beginning to eat uh, the parliamentary party, and I suspect hurt them in the polls uh, with traditional voters. Having said all that, you then undercut a lot of that by trying to appease that rump of the party by putting Esther McVeigh in. You know, because if she's going to be on TV waging, again, big sigh, uh, culture wars, then, you know, where does that put your... We are now shifting to the sort of One Nation Conservative brand where Cleverly is our Home Secretary and mm. David Cameron is our Foreign Secretary. But then you've got, you know, uh, I was going to say a pound shop, Suella Braverman, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, fill in your own joke here, God, um, yeah. you know. But if you if you've got you know Suella Braven two point zero on the airwaves waging culture war, and you know Esther McVeigh is not shy of being on on TV, is she? Um, again, true. I'm slightly confused as to as to you know what that does for your sort of branding of the party. Are you still kind of? you know, more right than centre and, you know, mm. wanting to wage culture wars? Or are you back in a sort of traditional, uh, you know, determination to cut taxes, you know, uh, small state, uh, one nation kind of traditional Tory party? It's, mm. um, it's a curious one for me. Uh, I want to add just a bit of other colour reporting, which is part of the fun of all of this. Um, first of all, this from Christian Calgi of The Express, who so just puts this out there, really. Nigel Farage coming out of the I'm a Celebrity jungle in six weeks and being told for the first time that David Cameron's now Foreign Secretary. <laughs> Imagine that. That'll be a, that'll be a fun moment. Um, <laughs> I, quite, I quite like that as a consideration. Uh, also, a rival lesser podcast is reporting that Therese Coffey was sent to number 10 accidentally ahead of her reshuffle resignation. Um, that's on the News Agents podcast being reported by Lewis Goodall. She was in Downing Street for a long, long time and everyone was kind of watching the door going, hang on, you've gone in. Why have you not come out yet? Yeah, so she was in for two hours and 45 minutes and I thought because of my own experiences at number 10, mm. where quite often you uh, uh, want to move someone out of a portfolio and you offer them another job and they don't want it and then they basically, you know... Uh, 
they basically refused to move out of number 10. <laughs> and sort of stage of sitting. Whole, they, yeah, basically, the stage of sitting, you know, we had it, we had it uh, ourselves. Um, you know, and the one thing I will say about this, you know, considering reshuffles and the propensity they have to go hideously wrong, this mm. one so far has been relatively smooth. Um, I've been on, you know, I've been at the sharp end of a, of one that was less smooth than this because we had a minister that just wouldn't move uh, off her brief uh, and staged a sitting, uh, and that causes quite the logjam. And the other thing is communication screw up. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember um, uh, again in 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 our one of our ill-fated uh, reshuffles. Uh, Brandon Lewis had been called in um, uh, and thought he was going to be. Uh, you know, the expectation was that he was going to be the Conservative chairman been widely tipped as such and as he's waiting in a in a in a traffic jam to get into number 10 it flashes up on his twitter feed uh, chris grayling has been appointed uh, party chairman he thought oh well that's that's that then i wonder what i've you know i wonder what i have got uh, and of course it was just a you know it was just a balls up by cchq mm. wow. um uh, so you know communications do break down sometimes ministers break down um quasi quarting uh, that it was quasi quarting found out he was fired as chancellor from Stephen Swinford didn't he on twitter as he was driving back to number 10 which i realize is a slightly different situation but it's another kind of you know slight slightly things going in the wrong order somewhat yes uh it's increasingly from the Prime Minister's lips to Steve Swinford of the of the Times' ears in about five minutes, seemingly. But, Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, um, right, well, I've got a couple of other bits just to bring you on the pod as we continue to mop up some of this. First of all, David Cameron, on the money side of things, because lots of questions about him not being an elected MP. It's not unprecedented, as we've kind of mentioned, for him to be a member of the House of Lords and a member of the uh, government, of the Cabinet specifically. Uh, he will be paid a Lords Secretary of State salary of £104,360. He will not claim his £315 Lords allowance, that daily allowance you get basically for showing up uh, while in office, nor will he claim his former Prime Minister's allowance of £115,000 a year, which is supposed to help you run your office, etc. Um, so that's that. The other bit of colour, just to add, is that David Cameron's already been given the go-ahead to join the Lords. That was already in place. Um, the um, uh, the sort of approval process uh, is done before any announcement is made by number 10. So there's a suggestion there, Kirsty, that perhaps they were approached to do that over the course of the weekend, but certainly a few days ago, this is the House of Lords Appointments Commission, HOLAC, that they've had a, perhaps a couple of days' warning on this to, to get the vetting out of the way. Uh, yes, and, you know, I mean... <sighs> Uh, over the weekend, uh, there was lots of frothy comment that Rishi Sunak was weak because he hadn't fired uh, Suella Braverman the minute that she undermined his authority by putting out an, uh, an op-ed into uh, the Times um, uh, that hadn't fully been cleared by by Number 10. Um uh, and I never thought this was evidence of weakness. I thought it was evidence of trying to get your ducks in a row before you have a, a reshuffle. Uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realise it was going to be uh, quite such a spectacular duck, as it were. Um, but I thought it was about, you know, approaching. Uh, I mean, I like everybody else thought that, um, uh, you know, cleverly would would become home secretary, and you needed to square that off with him because obviously he 
loved the job of foreign secretary, you know, and having a couple of conversations to make sure that, you know, that, that things go relatively smoothly on the day. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm not overly surprised by that, but it does mean, you know, people should be careful about rushing to judgment about what they think, you know, certain things, you know, denote. Quite mm. often they just denote that things take a while in government to, you know, to, to get into order. You can't just go, right, I'm going to click my fingers and and make it so. I'm going to... The thing that always used to make me one of the few things that did make me smile about Boris Johnson's premiership was that occasionally he was, you know, uh, prone to sort of having a, a kind of toddler fit about, you know, I'm the prime minister, why can't I just make things happen? And so, you know, even as prime minister, things in government do not move at the speed that you know most people would expect or want. If you, particularly if you worked in the private sector, yeah. um, so I never, I never thought it was a, a sign of weakness. I mean, it is interesting that the Lord's appointment. I mean, obviously, the common speaker Lindsay Hoyle um, is not happy mm. with having such a significant role. It is one of the big four offices of state and to have that held uh, by someone who is not accountable to MPs. Uh, isn't sitting well with a common speaker. There is precedent before, uh, as we've said, you know, Alex Douglas Hume. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and before that, Arthur Balfour, I think, was a former prime minister who came back to serve as foreign secretary just in time to draw up the Balfour Declaration, which has caused so much oh, yeah. uh, ongoing agony in the Middle East. Um uh, so there is precedent for it, but you know, particularly at the moment with the geopolitical situation being as turbulent as it is, MPs will want to be able, I think, to question uh, David Cameron, and and you know, constitutionally there is a capacity for them to be able to do it. Yeah, you know, they so- can call and demand for him to come to the Lords to answer questions. And within the committee structure as well, isn't there um, for for sort of questions to be asked and answered. Yes, yeah. I mean, the Foreign Affairs Select Committee also, which is made up of cross-party group of MPs, can can call him uh, to uh, for a session for you know for a for a session about his work. Yeah. Um, but you know, but like I say, there is even constitutionally there is capacity for MPs to call him to the sure. floor of the Commons. A uh, couple of other uh, reshuffle headlines then. So we've mentioned James Cleverly, who's now Home Secretary. Lord Cameron is now Foreign Secretary. Uh, Victoria Atkins is the new Health Secretary. Laura Trott becomes Chief Secretary to the Treasury. Steve Barclay, who was the Health Secretary, replaces the aforementioned Therese Coffey as Environment Secretary. Uh, so those are some of the other movers around uh, the Cabinet today as part of uh, Rishi Sunak's reshuffle. Just want to put this to you, Kirsty, from Hugo Rifkind of The Times, who I'd like to add to our We Heart list, if I may. Um, I think Hugo's brilliant. He's remarkably insightful, particularly at the moment, on uh, the conflict in the Middle East. Uh, I really encourage you to read all that Hugo's writing, actually, because he's so wise um, and so careful and so sensible. Anyway, on this, on the reshuffle, he says, it's very Rishi Sunak to be in a position where he has basically purged his government of Boris Johnson, Suella Braverman, Gavin Williamson, Dominic Raab, Nadim Zahawi, Liz Truss, Priti Patel, Jacob Rees-Mogg, and more, and is also to be likely to get only a bare minimum of credit for it. What do you think of that? That's quite an interesting thing that actually these sort of big names, big figures who have been troublesome are not in government, but will Rishi Sunak, will he be able to cash that in at all? 
Well, I mean, I, I, again, it comes back to where where are you expecting to get your credit from? Um, uh, I mean, the media will always look for you know the trip ups and the and the spills of a reshuffle, and at, right now they're you know getting the smelling salts out over over Lord Cameron's appointment. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but if you're looking, you know, if, if you're looking at the the broad direction of the Conservative Party. Uh, over the last 20 odd years, it has been an increasing kind of tail wagging the dog story. So, increasingly, this, you know, uh, right wing rump of the party, um, uh, you know, has become more vocal, more demanding, better organized, frankly. Um, and ironically, this is where this is where we will come back to, isn't it? You know, one of the things that David Cameron did to you know head off a kind of resurgent populist movement in UKIP was to offer a vote on whether you know Britain should stay in the European Union or not. Mm. Um, he uh, went to Europe, obviously, to try and get a reform package. Europe, being the intransigent kind of body that it is, gave him. The thinnest of gruel, which he, you know, uh, for all his qualities of spin, was not being able to fool anyone was was any good. Uh, and you know, then we went into you know the referendum, um, which actually only uh, hardened the kind of uh, uh, you know centre right to right wing or whatever you want to call it uh, views uh, within the party. It didn't you know it didn't appease them and abate them. It fueled them. Uh, and nourished them, and they became ever more uh, powerful and vocal because Brexit gave them a great platform, and the, you know, and the media gave them a great platform uh, to talk about the uh, European Union. So, so actually, uh, no, he's not going to get any credit from there. Uh, I don't think he's after credit. I think mm. what he's after is, you know, like I say, trying to stem losses. Yeah. Uh, in the upcoming election, and not to have the Conservatives wiped out in their traditional heartlands uh, of the Conservative shires. And like I said before, you know, if some of our polling shows that you know some Surrey seats are uh, imperiled, then uh, pot- <laughs> potentially the fallout is very uh, catastrophic indeed. So mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, and. How much of this is credit and how much of this is a consequence of Liz Truss's um, exciting uh, and short-lived term in office? Um, If she had been uh, less determined to move at pace um, and be such a disruptor, uh, she might still be there. Um, And so might some of these, you know, jolly characters. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I take the point, but, you know, some of this is just events, dear boy, as opposed to... Mm. any kind of political determination, if you like, from Rishi Sunak. Thank you, Kirsty. I'm going to give the last word to the Prime Minister, who, as we've been recording, has tweeted four pictures of some of his new cabinet uh, members. He says, today we have built a united team ready to deliver the changes this country needs for the long term. Professionalism, integrity and experience. This is a team that will be bold in making the right decisions for our great country, not the easy ones. So there you are, uh, Rishi Sunak on reshuffle day. Your thoughts, very welcome, particularly on the return of David Cameron 
to government. Uh, you can email us anytime. The inbox is always open. Hello at whitehallsources.com is the email address. We'll read those out on the next episode, uh, which will come later in the week, likely actually after we've had that decision on Rwanda and the Rwanda deportation flight. Uh, so we'll be considering that on the next episode of Whitehall Sources. So do get in touch. We'll read out your messages and we'll speak to you again soon. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.